Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the strife with Shechem as we pick up in Judges chapter 9, verse 19. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Now he said, if you've done a good thing, great, rejoice in Abimelech. But if not, then let fire come forth from Abimelech and devour the men of Shechem in the house of Milo. And let fire come out from the men of Shechem and from the house of Milo and devour Abimelech. In other words, let there come strife between uh, the men of Shechem and uh, Abimelech. And Jotham ran away, and he fled to Beer and dwelt there for the fear of Abimelech his brother. Now Abimelech reigned for three years, and God sent an evil spirit between Abimelech and the men of Shechem, and the men of Shechem dealt treacherously with Abimelech in order that the cruelty that was done by Abimelech might be avenged. And so the men of Shechem began to set an ambush for him at the top of the mountains or for the people, and they robbed all of those that uh, were going along that way, and it was told to Abimelech. Then this guy, Gale, uh, sort of a big mouth kind of a guy, said to the men, he came with his brothers, And he went over to Shechem, and he said to the men of Shechem, Now look, fellas, who is Abimelech? And who is Shechem that we should serve them? Is he not the son of Jerebabel and Zebul, his officer? Serve the men of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for why should we serve him? In other words, he's an outsider. We ought to be serving Hamor and his family. Let them be the kings. And... uh, He said, would to God the people were all under my rule because I could really do a good job here, you know, who was Abimelech. And so he said, if if you would just commit yourself to me, I would remove Abimelech. And so he called to Abimelech and said, increase your army. And so when Zebel, the ruler of the city, heard the words of Gael, the son of Ebed, his anger was kindled and he sent messengers unto Abimelech privately, saying, Behold, Gael, the son of Ebed, and his brothers are come to Shechem, and they are fortifying the city against you. Now therefore, come by night, and the people that are with you, and lie in wait in the field, and it shall be in the morning as soon as the sun is up. You shall rise early and set upon the city, and behold, when he and the people that is with him come out against thee, then may you do to them as you find occasion. So Abimelech rose up, And all the people that were with him by night, and they laid wait in Shechem in four companies. And Gael, the son of Ebed, went out and stood at the entering of the gate of the city, and Abimelech rose up, and the people that were with him, and lying there in wait. And when Gael saw the people, he said to Zebel, Behold, there come people down from the top of the mountains. And Zebel said, Ah, no, that's just an illusion. That's just the sun rising and the sun coming down. It looks like people, just an illusion that you see. So Gael spake again and said, Look, there are people coming down by the middle of the land. Another company is coming along the plain of uh, Meonium. And then said Zebul unto him, Okay, where's your mouth now? And uh, you said, Who is Abimelech uh, that we should serve him? Is not this the people that you have despised? Go out now and fight with them. So um, in one of those positions, Okay, now where's your mouth, man? You... 
you know, been saying who is Abimelech? There he is. Go out and take him on. You, you said, you know, if he were just here, I'd handle him. So Abimelech chased him, and many were overthrown and wounded, even to the entering of the gate. And Abimelech dwelt in Aruma, and Zibol thrust out Gael with his brothers that they should not dwell in Shechem. And it came to pass on the next day that the people went out into the field and they told Abimelech. And he took the people and divided them into three companies. And he laid in wait in the field and he looked and behold, the people were come forth out of the city. He rose up against them and smote them. And Abimelech and the company that was with him rushed forward and stood in the entering of the gate of the city. And two other companies ran upon all the people that were in the fields and they killed them. And Abimelech fought against the city all that day, and he took the city and killed the people that were therein. And he beat down the city and sowed it with salt. And when all the men of the tower of Shechem heard that they had entered into the fortress of the house of the god Berith, and it was told Abimelech that all the men of the tower of Shechem were gathered together, Abimelech got up to Mount Zalman with his people, and he began to, with his axe to cut down the boughs from the trees. He laid them on his shoulder, and he said to the people, follow my example. So they all cut down the boughs. And he came to the tower and laid these boughs around it, set fire to them, and actually cremated uh, the people who had sought uh, refuge there in the tower. About a thousand men and women. Uh, so it was a pretty good-sized tower, actually. And so then he went to Thebes and encamped against Thebes. And in Thebes there was a strong tower within the city. And all of the men and women fled to the tower there in Thebes. And so Abimelech came to the tower. He fought against it. He was up against the door trying to burn it with fire. And a certain woman took a piece of a millstone. Now millstones are sort of lava kind of rock. And... Um, Millstones, I've seen them four feet high. And they have tracks in which the millstone rolls. It, it's chiseled out to where it's round, has a hole in the middle of it, and then the stick or the post would go through the center of the millstone and it would roll and they often hook an oxen to it and they had this stone groove that went around in a circle. And the oxen, as he would go around, would pull the stick and it would cause this millstone to go around the groove and the ladies would come and just pour their wheat in uh, the little groove and as the millstone would go by, it would grind the wheat into flour and so uh, they'd have their stone ground wheat by these millstones. But these millstones probably, many of them weigh that I have seen weigh as much as four or five hundred pounds. Interesting that Jesus said concerning teachers that would destroy the faith in the heart of a child, it would be better for them if a millstone were hung around their neck and they were tossed in the Sea of Galilee than they to offend one of these little children. Now, gentle Jesus, meek and mild, look upon this little child. Hey, no, he wasn't so meek and mild. He was pretty tough on these false teachers and those that would destroy faith and heart of a child. He said, man, you know, put them in concrete and dump them in the ocean, you know. He'd have been a good mafia exterminator. Uh, really, he, he said, put a millstone on her neck, throw them in the sea. You'd never come up. 
for sure. Well, now there was this woman in the tower, and she had a piece of a millstone. Here's old Abimelech down there, you know, trying to set the door on fire, and she drops the millstone and cracks his skull. And so he's lying there, and, and he said to his armor bearer, quick, thrust me through. I don't, want to, I don't want him to say a woman killed me. Pride, look what it'll do. Even when you're dying, you know. What difference does it make? And so the guy thrust him through anyhow, so they didn't say a woman killed him. But so Abimelech was wiped out, and the evil that he did against Gideon's sons was sort of recompensed. Now in chapter 10, we go through a series of judges quite rapidly. After Abimelech, there rose to defend Israel Tola, a man of Ishkar, from the tribe of Ishkar. He dwelt in Shamir in Mount Ephraim. He judged Israel for 23 years. He was buried in Shamir. And after him, there arose Jair, a Gileadite, and he judged Israel for 22 years. Now he had 30 sons that rode on 30 ass colts, and they had 30 cities, which are called Havath Jer unto this day, which are in the land of Gilead. And Jer died and was buried in Cammon. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and they served Balaam and Ashtaroth, the gods of Syria, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the children of Ammon, the gods of the Philistines, and they forsook the Lord and did not serve him. So here we go again, another apostasy where the children of Israel turn against God and they begin to worship every God that is around. Now here was the hardest thing to comprehend. God, at the time of Jeremiah, when the people again were in an apostasy, God said to Jeremiah, has it ever been in any nation, in any land, where people have forsaken their gods? And yet Israel has forsaken me, the true and the living God. And they've worshipped these other gods. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and they have hewn out for themselves cisterns, cisterns that can hold no water. God was appalled by the thing. Hey, this doesn't happen. People don't forsake their gods even that are not gods. And yet the children of Israel, it seems, were perennially forsaking God and turning to idolatry. Unthinkable. And yet they did. So this is just another one of the apostasies. Actually, it is the sixth time that it has been recorded that they forsook God and began to worship and serve these other gods. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. He sold them this time into the hands of the Philistines and the hands of the children of Ammon. And that year they vexed and oppressed the children of Israel for 18 years and all the children of Israel that were on the other side of Jordan in the land of the Amorites, which is in Gilead. Moreover, the children of Ammon passed over Jordan to fight against Judah and against Benjamin and against the house of Ephraim so that Israel was sore distressed. Now, Reuben, Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh that was on the other side of Jordan, they were now being oppressed by the Amorites. 
that were over on that area that they actually who were in the territory before they had come. But then the, the children of Ammon passed on over Jordan and began to fight in the land of Judah and Benjamin and all, Ephraim. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, saying, We have sinned against thee, both because we have forsaken our God and also because we have served Balaam. Double sin. Forsaking God, one, serving Balaam, two. And the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Did not I deliver you from the Egyptians, from the Amorites, from the children of Ammon, from the Philistines, from the Sidonians, and from the Amalekites and the Minoanites, who did oppress you, and you cried to me, and I delivered you out of their hand? Yet you have forsaken me and served other gods, wherefore I will deliver you no more. Go and cry unto the gods which you have chosen. Let them deliver you in the time of your tribulation. So Israel at this point had come to a very sad point in their history where God said, hey, I've delivered you from the Egyptians and from the Amorites and all of these people, the Philistines, and now you've forsaken me. I'm not going to deliver you anymore. You go and call upon the gods that you have chosen to serve. Let them deliver you. It is possible for a person to sin against the grace of God to the point where God turns that person over to a reprobate mind. God is through. says, that's it. God said to Jeremiah concerning Ephraim, he said, hey, Jeremiah, don't pray anymore for Ephraim for her good, for if you do, I'm not going to even listen to your prayers. To, what was it, Hosea, he said, Ephraim is given over to her idols. Let her alone. I'm through. Not going to deal with them anymore. I've had it. Tragic when God says of a person, hey, that's it. Not going to deliver you anymore. You've chosen to serve these other gods. You made your choice. All right, call on them. Let them deliver you from your tribulation. People oftentimes say it really doesn't make any difference which God you serve. You know, all roads lead to heaven. False. It makes a big difference, the God that you serve, but it really makes the big difference when you're in trouble. That's when the difference really shows up. When you're really needing help. And God says, cry unto the gods that you've chosen to serve. But they can't help me. So the children of Israel said unto the Lord, We have sinned, again confessing. Do thou unto us whatsoever seems good to you. Deliver us only, we pray thee, today. And they put away the strange gods from among them. They served the Lord, and his soul was grieved for the misery of Israel. So God is a soft touch, I guess. And the people did the right thing, and God went ahead to deliver them once more. And the person that God chose at this time was Jephthah, the Gileadite, chapter 11. He became the ninth judge. He was a mighty man of valor. He was the son 
of a harlot, and Gilead begat Jephthah. And Gilead's wife bore him sons, and the wife's sons, when they grew up, they threw Jephthah out. And they said, you're not going to inherit our father's house. You're the son of a strange woman. So Jephthah fled from his brothers, and he dwelt in the land of Tob. And there gathered unto him vain men who began to sort of pal around with him. And it came to pass in the process of time that the children of Ammon made war against Israel. And it was so when the children of Ammon made war against Israel, the elders of Gilead sent to fetch Jephthah out of the land of Tob. And they said to Jephthah, Come and be our captain, that we might fight with the children of Ammon. And Jephthah said unto the elders of Gilead, Did you not hate me and expel me out of my father's house? Why are you now come because you're in distress? The elders of Gilead said unto Jephthah, Therefore we turn again to thee now that you may go with us and fight against the children of Ammon and be our head over all the, the inhabitants of Gilead. So Jephthah said unto the elders of Gilead, If you bring me home again to fight against the children of Ammon and the Lord delivers them before me, shall I be your head? And the elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, The Lord be witness between us if we do not according to your words. In other words, will you let me... Uh, rule over you. So Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead. The people made him the head and captain over them. And Jephthah uttered all of his words before the Lord in Mizpah. And Jephthah sent messengers unto the kings of the children of Ammon, saying, What have you to do with me that you've come against me to fight in my land? And the king of the children of Ammon answered and said uh, to the messengers of Jephthah, Because Israel took away my land when they came up out of Egypt from Arnon even to Jabbok and unto Jordan. And now therefore restore those lands again peaceably. So there was a little sort of a running feud. Jephthah sent and he said, hey, why are you guys coming to fight to take away our land? And they sent back and said, hey, we were here before you ever thought of being here. We lived here before you came and you came and took the, the land away from us. So he wrote back to them another message. He said, no way. We were willing to live peaceably. You came out against us. You started the fight, and we whipped you. And so the land belongs to us. We've been dwelling there all along. How come you haven't come sooner to reclaim land? Why didn't you take it then, you know, if it was your land? So uh, we've settled in it. It's our land. And so they then gathered together to battle. Now, at this point, Jephthah made a vow unto God. He said, Lord, if you will deliver these people of Ammon or the Ammonites into my hand, give me the victory over them, then I will sacrifice unto you the first thing that comes out of the door of my house when I return home as a burnt offering unto thee. So God delivered the Ammonites into the hands of Jephthah and he was coming home victorious, leading the armies. And who should come out the door of his house than his daughter, his only child, with a tambourine and a song that she had made up of the great victories of her father and the, how great a dad and everything he was. And when he saw her come out the door, he said, Oh, sweetheart, you've brought grief 
to my soul today. And she said, Dad, whatever you've promised the Lord to do, go ahead and do. And so he told the vow that he had made. And she said, all right, you know, you've made the vow to God in, in your to do it. But she said, allow me a couple of months to go through the mountains with my friends and just sort of bewail my virginity. And so she went through the mountains bewailing her virginity for a couple of months. And it came to pass, verse 39, at the end of two months that she returned unto her father who did with her according to his vow which he had vowed and she knew no man. And it was the custom in Israel that the daughters of Israel went yearly to lament the daughter of Jephthah, the Gileadite, four days in a year. Now, number one, God had forbidden human sacrifice. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Judges on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Judges 9 through 11 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of The Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. Now may the Lord be with you and bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and give you peace. May you walk in the Spirit. And may you be strengthened by the work of his Holy Spirit in your inner man. May your life be enriched in all things in Christ Jesus. And may the Lord and the blessings of the Lord be upon you while we are absent from each other until we are brought back together again to continue our fellowship and are growing together in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Sometimes it's difficult to celebrate the holidays like Christmas or New Year's Eve because of a recent death in the family or a sudden tragedy that's happened. And it's in times like this that we want to be used by God to bring encouragement, hope, and most of all, love to our family and friends who are going through a hardship. That's why I'd like to tell you about a book by Chuck Smith called When the Storm Hits. 
I'm amazed when I read this book that it's able to encourage and strengthen a person and persuade them to look to Jesus and not at their problem. It encourages us to be patient, not to lose hope, and when the storm hits, to get anchored on Jesus, the rock, and don't let go. To order a copy of Chuck Smith's book, When the Storm Hits, please call the word for today at 800-272-9673. Or you can visit us online to read a preview of the book by visiting thewordfortoday.org.